This is the Smooth Operator Podcast. I'm Adam Liette, Director of Operations for a seven-figure online business and eight-year veteran of Army Special Operations. On this show, we get into the tactical nitty-gritty of what it really takes to run a thriving online business because at the end of the day, operators lead the way. Sweet. All right. So it's my honor uh, today to introduce Nikki Ballou. He's the host of the Thought Leader Revolution podcast and CEO of eCircle Academy. On that show, he's interviewed legends like Seth Godin, Raymond Aaron, and one of my personal heroes and mentors, Alex Sharfin. Uh, the guests on that show, the top thought leaders. And I've really enjoyed going back through some of the episodes and uh, just getting to know a little bit about Nikki and what he does. Uh, so thank you so much for joining me, Nikki. It's a pleasure to have you. Man, it's an honor to be here. God bless you. Thank, first of all, I mean, you mentioned to me that you served in the military, and you know, it's men and women like you who are willing to put their lives on the line, who who fight, bleed, and die for the rest of us to get to keep us free. So, thank you for doing that, brother. Absolutely, Nick. It was a one hundred percent pleasure. Um, don't know if I do it all again, but I'm glad I did it once. But it was a great journey. Let's hope you don't awesome. have to. Let's yes, for sure. To. Awesome. So I was getting ready for this interview. I went to your website and I found the Thought Leader's Journey, which is available for free at, at eCircle Academy. Um, and I have to admit, I sat down the other night around 10 p.m. wrapping up my day, thinking I'd read one to two chapters of the book. I ended up reading the whole thing in one sitting. It, I couldn't <laughs> put it down. It was it just captured me so much. So we're just well done on creating this amazing fable and uh, gave me a lot of different questions that I'd love to, to dive into on, on this uh, in this discussion. But to kick things off, if you just uh, tell us a little about yourself, Nikki, tell, tell us about your journey. Absolutely. So um, I'm originally an immigrant from the Middle East. Uh, my family are Christians from Iran. And Iran is an overwhelmingly Muslim-majority country. And when I was a little boy in the late 70s, there was an Islamic revolution in Iran. And the secular government of the Shah was overthrown. My late father, God rest his soul, the greatest human I've ever known, the greatest man I've ever known, he could see the writing on the wall that this was not going to be a great place for him to raise his Christian family. So he took us out of Iran and brought us to the free West. We ended up settling in Canada. And every single day, I'm grateful to my father for A, having pre-science and foresight and, and B, for changing the trajectory of his family by bringing us from tyranny to freedom. And I know today we're living in a time where there's a lot of folks that, um, that it's fashionable for them to say things like, America is so oppressive and racist and sexist. And you know what I have to say to that, Adam? Really, you wanna to come to Iran? You want to come to other countries in the Middle East? You know what? In Iran, if you're a woman, you need to cover up your hair. And if you don't, there's hell to pay legally. And people on the street, there's thugs on the street who will attack you. And they will not be harassed by the authorities because, well, you deserved it for not putting a, a, a headdress on, you know, and covering yourself from head to toe. So that's number one. Okay. Legally. Rights are given to men that are not given to women legally. You gotta understand, you can divorce someone in Iran, three words, I divorce you, no, six words. I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you. A man can do that to a woman and it's done. It carries the force of law. He throws her out on the street with nothing, okay? So just, just so you understand, that's not just in Iran. It's tons of countries this happens. In, okay, if you're gay in Iran and they catch you, they hang you from a crane. That's not like in the Western movies where your neck snaps immediately, you're dead right away. You slowly suffocate. Can you imagine the horror of dying that way for being gay, which is something people can't control? <laughs> you know, it's it's like, like think about that. And, and the other thing is, over here, we have looked at the sins of our forefathers from, you know, the point of view of discrimination, racism, and so forth. And we have mightily taken steps to address them, the Civil Rights Act of the, of the 60s and things like that, in the part of the world that I come from, they don't do that. They double down on racism. I'm an ethnic Assyrian. Believe me, there was a lot of legal racism against me. Legal racism for not being uh, uh, Muslim. You know, like uh, there's a concept in, in Islamic countries of blood money. If you're not Muslim though, the amount of, like, if you're accidentally killed or whatever, you owe the family blood money. 
for Muslims, the, the fee is at X. For non-Muslims, is at a third X. Just, just so you understand. I mean, the this is the most tolerant, wonderful place on the planet. We are all lucky to be here. I believe that people that are born here don't understand how good they have it, how precious freedom is. And someone like you who fought, bled, and died for us, the reason it's important for me to acknowledge that, and every time I run into someone from the military, I want to shake their hand if I'm physically with them or acknowledge them if I'm not, is because freedom is precious. And my father understood that. And like, I stand, I stand for freedom. I do what I do for freedom. I want every entrepreneur to be financially free. I have a vision, a billion millionaires, a billion millionaires, because then we'll create a constituency for freedom and free enterprise, the likes of which the world has never seen. So freedom, free expression, free enterprise. That's mm -hmm. what Nikki Blue is all about. That's, that's the thing that I want to say to you. And the second thing I want to say is my late father, he was an entrepreneur, okay? And um, dad is the greatest man I knew because as an entrepreneur, he always, always doing things for people. Like if you needed a job and he had a job to give you, he would. If he didn't, he'd go help you look for a job. He'd like call people up and get you a job. If you wanted to get a start in business, dad will help get you set up, right? And this wasn't like, I'm investing in him. You got to pay me up. It's like, no, here's the money. Go do, go do your thing. You know what? I'll help you out. I'll get you set up with a few people. So you, you get some customers. And that's how he was. And if you work for him and you, you know, you couldn't quite afford the new house or the new car or the new apartment, dad would help you get that. And like, Adam, you're listening to all this and you're probably going, yeah, yeah, right. Really? Your dad would do that. I can't, I can't even imagine somebody doing like houses, apartments, cars, like yeah, gifts. Sure. But now, what? And no, for real, he did that. And you might go, Nikki, why did he do that? Well, first of all, he was a Christian and he believed God had blessed him and he believed that he must share his blessings. Like if dad kept all the money he made, I'll tell you what, man, we probably have another 30 million in the bank. So, you know, yes. He, that's like, like no joke. Right. But he didn't. And, 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 and I honor him for that. And then the other reason he did this is because he could, he had the financial wherewithal as a successful entrepreneur to be successful. This is one of the reasons I'm so passionate about free enterprise. You know, I read the books of Ayn Rand. I read Milton Friedman, capitalism and freedom and Friedrich Hayek's the road to serfdom. If you haven't read those guys, you ought to, you ought to check out their work and everyone listening to this ought to check out their work. They're, super all, they're all on my bookshelf. I've read them all. Well, there you go. So then you're, you and I, Sympathetic, brother Adam. Yes, sympathetic. I love it. So, so you know, I wanted to be just like that. I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Like I, I just thought he was, he was my hero. Still is, you know. Um, and um, yeah, I became an entrepreneur, and I, I started to realize something, brother. There's a lot of good men and women with good hearts. Okay, good hearts. There were entrepreneurs that were. You know, they just didn't know how to operate in the world. They were trying to do marketing things. And then when it came to selling, like they just didn't want to come across like they were pushy. They didn't want to come across like they were uh, salesy. They didn't want to reek of commission breath. Like that. They didn't want to do that. Right. And so as a result, these good people wouldn't get sales. They wouldn't, their business wouldn't grow. They would suffer. They'd stay stuck. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. um, that would cause them financial like stress. They wouldn't be able to buy their dream home. They wouldn't be able to, you know, take their kid and put them in private school. They wouldn't be able to take the trips, buy that thing for their wife or husband that they'd always wanted to do. They wouldn't be able to do things like my dad did. You know what I mean? Buy people unexpected gifts. They wouldn't be able right. to contribute to their favorite causes. St Health-wise, stress, they'd be stressed. They couldn't sleep. Their hair would fall out, stuff like that, right? Emotionally, man, they'd just be feeling bad and they'd be relationally getting into fights with their spouses, their kids, the people they loved. All this would be happening to them. And I saw this, right? And I had a mentor. The greatest man in the world in our space is Mark Von Muster. The greatest man in the world. He's heart-driven. And he, he actually doesn't try to be uh, like in front, which is crazy to me because he, he'd be bigger than Tony Robbins if he was, in my opinion. But And, and he used to actually work with Tony Robbins. Although I'm not supposed to say that. Helped Tony add $100 million to his, to his company. And right now, over the past five, six years, he's worked with Russ Rafino, clients on the man. And because mm -hmm. of Mark, they their clients have done over a billion dollars in sales. Billion. That's how good Mark Von Muser is. Okay. I'm lucky. I'm the only person in the world he will coach one-on-one. -on -one. We're like brothers. He's like my you know brother from another mother. And that's how it is. He does not do any one-on-one -on -one coaching, he does everything through Russ and you know, that sort of thing. And Mark helped me see how people were suffering, man. He helped me like 
like my dad and Mark, these men, they helped me see how people were just not getting what they needed out of business. And a lot of good people were hurting. They were in pain. Mm. He said to me, Nikki, Nikki, you're a good man. Your job is to serve these people out of pain. And then I realized that's what I have to teach my, my clients. And not just my clients, but listeners. Like you here and the people listening, you're not selling to people. And we got to reframe selling to serving. Selling wow. to serving. Because nobody wants to be sold, but everybody wants to be served by a caring advocate. In today's world, where you've had two and a half years of lockdowns, insane government uh, uh, pressure and, and taking away of freedom, right? In, let's face it, the citadel of freedom, the United States of America, there was yeah. tons of that taken away. Even your own governor, Mike DeWine, Republican for crying out loud, was, was just too, too eager to take things away. Outside of places like Florida with the great governor, Ron DeSantis, where he kept that place free. And outside of Sweden, where people were kept free. And outside of South Dakota and Georgia, places like that, there wasn't a ton of freedom going on around. You know, people are nervous. They're uncertain. There's all this inflation being caused by these insane policies coming out of, you know, the, the, um, the cognitively challenged man in the White House right now. Let's face it, the cognitive challenge man in the White House. It's one of the reasons your boy, your boy Charfin and I didn't get along because he yeah. wanted this guy elected. And I said, you're out of your freaking mind. This guy's cognitively challenged. That's why I, we had a rupture in our relationship. He made fun of me after, after Biden won. And I just basically said, go screw yourself. <laughs> you <laughs> voted for this. Remember that. You voted for this, right? And, yeah. and friends of mine like that, you, you know, I still love him. Don't get me wrong. I still love him. He's a good guy. I hope we can repair our relationship at some point. But unfortunately, politics does that these days. That's just how it goes. And, yeah. um, you know, people are hurting that. And I just like want people to believe the number one thing Mark taught me that I go and I teach people is you got to believe you can win. You got to believe you can win. The circumstances don't matter. The craziness of the government doesn't matter. You've got to believe you can win. Mm. There was Mark showed me this. There was a study done rats, okay? Because rats and humans apparently behave similarly in stupid circumstances. I don't know why. Like we don't really look like rats, but okay. You know, they threw a bunch of rats in water, and the strongest rat could only swim for ten minutes before he started to sink. Now they pulled them all out. They didn't die. They you know dried them off, fed them, and then they put them back in water. They were able to go for two hours then. Now why mm. is that? Two hours because their belief was fortified right you gotta fortify your belief you gotta have people around you who care who give a damn about you listen my system of how i help people is the best in the freaking world the authority and thought leader marketing stuff we do we get people from a couple hundred thousand three hundred thousand stuck people we get them to a million boom like that i personally had the fortune of helping 11 people go and add anywhere from one to 38 and a half million to their business. And 70 people add between a hundred thousand and seven, 800,000 to their business. Okay. Personally, that's what I've done. And I'm telling you, our stuff's the best, but you know, when I ask people, Hey, what do you like best about, you know, working with us? And one guy just came up to me and he said, look, your stuff's good and all that. And yeah, it's cool and fun. And he said, but, but you know, what's best about working with you? And I go, no, he said, I know you got my back. She says, I know it in my freaking bones. And that gives me belief. You know what I'm saying? And like your job as a business owner, if you're working with people, if you coach people, if you serve people, you got to give them belief. Your convictions got to substitute for theirs when theirs is not strong. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? So for me, yeah, I stand for freedom. Yeah, I help people serve, not sell. Yeah. I show them how to dial in their message so they don't have a crappy mail message. So many people say stupid stuff like, what do you do for people? Well, I'll, hype it. I'll help them overcome overwhelm. Really? Nobody paid for overcoming damn overwhelm. Nobody gives a shit about that. Excuse my language. So they're going to pay you money because they're stuck and they're not making enough money and they're worried if they're going to be able to keep their house or buy the dream house that they want. That's what they're yeah. going to pay you for. Their expenses are out of control and they don't know how to get them under control. And you can fix that. They'll pay you for that. They're 60 pounds overweight. They got type 2 diabetes. Doctors saying they're going to have a heart attack in less than a year if they don't fix it. They're going to pay you to fix that. They're not going to pay you to fix overwhelm or make you feel better or feel brave when you that crap. No, yeah. they're going to pay you to solve real problems, real problems. Business is about solving problems, acute problems, 
real acute problems for people for profit. That is all business is. It is a people game and it's not a numbers game. Don't get me wrong. Profit's important, but it is not. It's a byproduct. It is not the most important thing. The most important thing is the person in front of you. Most important thing to me in this conversation is Adam. I want Adam to go, holy crap, that Nikki Billow dude, man, he made my first interview episode so cool. His energy is off the hook. Oh my God, he's so smart. The people that listen to this go, man, bring me more guests like that. And I learned a couple things. Like if I do that, man, that's that's my job. Now, if something yeah. good, good for me happens for that, you know, like, you know, financially, bonus. But really, the good for me that happens for that is God gave me a chance to shine. And I feel good. When I give to people, I feel good. And all of us feel good when we give to people. All of us feel good when we give to people. For sure. That's where it's at. That's my story, awesome. my brother. <laughs> I love it. Well, this is definitely not, as you called it in the story, the sea of sameness. I love it, Nick. You're, you're, you got this awesome energy. And it's true what you say. Like, I know in my role, when I was prior to starting my own company, I was an operations manager for a growing team. And like my team looked at me, they, they needed me to put that fire under their belly every single day. Uh, they needed me to solve their problems, to, to lead them. And there's really, there was never a, a better feeling than having my team around me and just waiting for me to lead the way. And I think the world is, there's way too few people willing to take the, take the charge, willing to be in front of that mass and carry that flag. And uh, as we said in the, in the, in the, in the army, it was follow me, lead the way. You know, that's what we said when we jumped out of airplanes. I mean, it was the guy in the front would say, follow me. And we'd all just jump after him. And then eventually it was me in the front and I had to lead my troops out of the, out of the airplane. So Dude, you're hitting on all my all the all my right cylinders right now, Nikki. This is great. Damn, that's One exciting, thing, man. I wish I had <laughs> jumped out of that plane with you, brother. That would have been cool. Well, you're not too far away. We can go par parachuting. It'll be, it'll be fun. Fun weekend. All right. So. You know what? Let's let's let's, let's talk about it. I, 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 I would love to do something like that. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. You, you might have to talk to my wife about it. She made me promise no more. But anyway. Um, <laughs> no, don't put me in between you and your wife. <laughs> so I'm, not, I'm not that stupid. <laughs> you, don't, you don't mess with German Catholic farm girls. They're, they're not to be messed with, Nikki. But, no, brother. No, brother. An interesting thing that you said in the book that really got me thinking, there's so much sameness. And we talk about coaching as the sea of sameness is, is what you referred to it as. Like, how can we, as people that want to help others, like, how can we differentiate ourselves and how have you really differentiated, differentiated yourself to make you stick out and be able to have that impact that you wanted to have? That's a fantastic question. So I'll tell you first and foremost, okay, you got to show people you care. I mean, just that will differentiate you, you know? Um, if, and if you, if you cut yourself off from caring, because every human being has that in them, you know, reattach to that. Maybe somebody hurts you in your past. Maybe in, in business, you were, you were caring and you got ripped off and you thought, no, never again. You know what? It's better to get ripped off and care than to never get ripped off and cut yourself off from the most fundamental human experience you can have. Mm. So I'll say that. And secondly, you know, this is, this is important from a thought leadership point of view. Um, people want to do business with authorities. They want to do business with the best of the best. Now, how do you and I, let, let's say I'm speaking to you, let, just hypothetically, right? For example, and let's say you're like a successful, you know, coach, consultant, guru, and you've like hit, you've hit the mother load, man. You're making like 400 grand a year. Like you're doing great. But for two, three years, maybe you've been like eh, kind of in that space, right? Like the money's good, but you haven't you haven't like taken it to the next level. And every time you make more money, it's because you have you work like 20 hours a week or more and it's burning you out. Your wife and you are fighting about it and crap like that, right? And you're right. sitting in front of me and you're going, Nikki, listen, I'm successful already, but this is what's going on. And I don't know how to do it. Can you help me? And in your mind, what's going on when you start listening to a potential authority? Is this guy full of crap? Is he going to just try to take my money, right, and and not deliver anything for me except sell me sizzle? Like, is he a sizzle seller? Nope. You try to bite into it. There's no steak there, right? You know what yeah. I'm talking about? 
like as an authority, you've got to start to really care about people and you've got to develop your expertise. Now, inside the work we do with people, I, I studied the work of a man named Matt Church out of Australia, Thought Leaders Global. You know, he informed a lot of work I do. He created something. I, I, I'm going to show this to you, Adam, real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't, um, the people who watch this on video will be able to, to see it. But he invented this, this thing called the pink sheet. This mm. is a folder full of stuff, of my IP, of things I've thought through deeply, done in a very particular comprehensive way about the subject of performance and winning. And in front of this is what we call a positioning matrix. This is how to position the marketing messages that you have for people, why you do what you do. This is the shit diggity stuff, okay? Like it is the best of the best in terms of position. So like, I like working with high, high performing people who want to perform even higher. I mean, it's something Nikki Baloo loves to do. So this has been an area of expertise. We, we teach people to do stuff like this, right? And that's important, but you know, when you're sitting in front of the client, all that's nice and it makes you more confident and informative, but what's going to show somebody that you're actually an authority is if you ask really good questions about the pain that they're suffering. So for example, in this hypothetical example, right? First question I go is, well, what's not working? Like, why have you been kind of like stuck at this level for the last two years? And, you know, you might just go, well, I don't know. And I'll just go, all right. But if you did know, what would you say? And go, well, you know, I've kind of been doing the same kind of marketing approach for a really, really long time, right? And it's successful. I don't want to stop it, but it's not really growing me. And if, and it, it takes too much of me to like, you know, energy I don't have to get it to the next level. I, I need a new approach. I go, okay, so tell me about the approach. You tell me about the approach, blah, 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 whatever, whatever. And I just go, all right. Um, have you, uh, you know, have you wondered why that approach isn't working? Maybe the algorithms have changed on Facebook ads or whatever. We get, we go deep into that. And I, and then I'll ask you the question. I go, do you use any other approaches? And you might go, well, no, not really. You know, they taught me to just use one approach. That's one of the things about the gurus. that just drives me freaking nuts. Okay. Yeah. You're a businessman and you tell people there's only one way to do things. Just do this. You're not teaching them how to run a business. You're teaching them a tactic. And that might be a fantastic tactic as an example, right? So building like, you know, a webinar and, a, and an ad funnel, Adam, as an example, right? It could be a really fantastic tactic, great, great tactic, can work really well. But Facebook changes its algorithms all the time. This whole Apple thing that happened means that Facebook ads aren't as effective in, 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 in you know, targeting people as they used to be. There's TikTok, but a lot of people are worried about TikTok because, you know, it's owned by the Chinese and maybe they're shipping your data off. Like there, there's all kinds of reasons. And I go, well, have you tried actually like a warm market strategy? Have you tried podcasting? I know you're doing podcasting here right now, but like, have you tried, um, have you tried building strategic partnerships? Have you tried getting on stages? Like I've identified like 10 channels that you can use right. to be successful. And I go evaluate, are you, which of them are you using? Most people are using one maximum two. most people. Right. And then we go, okay, how effective are they? And you might go, well, it used to be a 10, but now it's a six. And I'll go, all right. So, you're not using channels. And then I go, okay, what's the impact of this on you? Well, you're going to go, yeah, well, you know, I wanted to buy like a second home and we haven't been able to. And I wanted to really put uh, all my kids in this new private school. I haven't been able to do that. We've been keeping them in another school. So, and I, you, you know, um, I promised my wife that I was going to send her younger brother to, to college. I was going to fund it for him. And the truth is I'm not really able to do that anymore like something like that, that would be the financial impact. And like, okay, what would be the, the what would be the, the health impact? Well, I'm stressed. I can't sleep, I'm not working out, I'm getting fat, you know, stuff like that. What yeah. would be the emotional impact? You know, I'm short tempered. I fight with my wife. I fight with my kids. What would be, you know, like that's a relational impact too. And I go overall, yeah, I'm frustrated. I'm pissed. Everybody thinks I'm successful, but I know I can do better. Like stuff like that. You know what I mean? Be asking those questions. And I just go, what's the consequence if this keeps up for another year, two years, three years? You know what I mean? Like I ask questions to make you think. Now, if I ask those questions well, you're going to be thinking, this guy, he, he, he knows what he's talking about. He knows what questions yeah. to ask, right? And your job, if you want to stand out, 
you got to ask good, deep questions. You got to keep going. If you stop because you're afraid of hurting that person's feelings when they tell you they're frustrated or they're fighting with their spouse or, you know, they're not making as much money. Like if you're like, no, 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 I, I don't want to upset them. Like, are you kidding me? You're not upsetting them. You're helping them see that the leg, uh, their leg bone, the humerus is broken. And unless it's set, they're screwed. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's what you're doing. And so many people, they, they just, they recoil, they recoil. They, they don't want to like the whole pushy salesy, you know, no, you're not being pushy salesy. You're helping this person understand the consequences of their problem, Adam. And if they understand the consequences of their problem, they really understand the consequences of their problem. But your job then becomes very simple. Do you want these consequences to continue or do you want them to stop? And do you want to change things? Are you ready to like all in go out for your dream? And that's the point where they're going to say, I mean, if they're smart and say, I want to, I want to fix it. And then the conversation becomes, listen, I'm hundred percent clear. I can help you. Here's my way of fixing it. And if you've done a good job in having that conversation with them and they're really serious, they're going to find a way to do this. They're going to go, mm -hmm. this guy knows what he's talking about. He's an authority that I'm going to work with you. That is more powerful than anything. It's more powerful than testimonials. It's more powerful than doing 400 podcast episodes and writing eight books like I've done. It's more powerful than, you know, you doing anything else, setting up ads, all of that jazz is a one-on-one -on -one conversation with a human being and really helping them see that what they're dealing with sucks and it's about time they stop dealing with it. That's really how you become an authority in, in my, in my book. Hmm. Awesome. <laughs> I love it. And it's, I often think like, how could I get better at this skill? And there's so many ways we can practice this and like getting into the, the questioning game and be able to like think of different questions we can ask. And just, I know personally, like I've taken enough courses where I'm, I'm, I'm coursed out. I can't take any more, but I love to have conversations because it does get down to that root level. And there's something that happens when you see the problem for yourself and you had someone lead you to it. Like they're just asking the leading direct questions. And then when you finally, that light bulb clicks in our head, because we had to say the problem out loud. Like when it comes out of our own mouths, it's like it hits harder in a whole lot more ways than someone. I don't know if it's like an accusatory nature. If you hear someone tell you what your problem is versus you expressing it no, you auditorily. Like it. You'll back yeah. Up. Yeah. You're going to back up. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, it's fantastic. But I want to say something about being coursed out. I can appreciate that. There was a lot of courses there that promise a lot and don't deliver a ton. And you get something out of every course. There's no question. Yeah. But one of my clients is Robin Sharma. I actually met Alex through Robin. Alex was a speaker at Robin Sharma's 2015 Titan Summit. Okay. Mm -hmm. you know, he, Alex did a brilliant job. That's how come I got to know him and invited him on my show and all that stuff. Yeah. And um, Robin... Um, I don't know. Do you know who Robin is? He wrote a book called The Monk Who Sold This Ferrari, 15 million copies sold, just, you mm -hmm. know, huge, yes. huge thought leader, right? One of the top five thought leaders in the personal development space. I He lives in my city and I used to be his fitness trainer. I, I was one of the top fitness trainers in the country. I work with Olympic gold medal athletes. I work with top CEOs, billionaires. That was my shtick. And I got out of it. And we can discuss that another time. But um, Robin really persuaded me while I was coaching him and he was paying me to come and do some of this program. And eventually I, I, I did the Titan summit. And one thing he told me, he said, Nikki, in any given year, if you want to double your income, you must triple your investment in personal and professional development. Yes. And I'll repeat that. If in any given year, if you want to double your income, you must triple your investment in personal and professional development. And I said, but what if they're bad courses? And he says, it doesn't matter. You will land on the on the good ones if you you'll get better at figuring out what they are. But yes. life is a constant education game, right? He said he said his own strategy was he he personally attended two conferences a year, big conferences that he paid a lot of money for, right? Like for high level individuals, he personally did a course every other month, like an online course of some kind every other month. This Robin freaking Sharma man every other month. And Robin read 70 to 100 books a year. Wow. Now, that's Robin Shun, okay? Anthony Robbins, right, who my friend Mark used to work with, and my, my better half, by the way, still a coach at, at Tony Robbins. Um, Anthony Robbins 
said that he got his career started when he read 700 books, cover to cover, took detailed notes on them and it helped him rewire his brain. He took Jim Rohn's program, right? And that rewired his brain as well. So like, I think that yourself and anyone listening to this, maybe your course style, maybe you need a, a little break, but you need to look for the next course. You need to talk to the next uh, set of mentors. Mark is my main mentor. I pay him, you know, and all that good stuff. But I have other coaches and mentors I go to that tweak other things in my life. At the moment, I've got four separate mentors that I that I work with on various issues. Um, I am redoing a, a course on building a funnel because that's one of the things that I haven't done a good job of is, is yeah. getting the, the, the online funnel uh, thing going. And I, I want to do a, a good job of that going forward. And um, in my men's organization, I, I teach a curriculum and there's a book of the month and a podcast episode of the month that I have the folks look into. I got to learn the stuff I'm teaching these guys. The best way to learn something is to teach it, by the way, the glass of choice theory, right? That's what it says. Mm -hmm. 95% of what you teach, you'll return. 5% of what you read, you'll return. Like, like, right. Think about that. It's like crazy. And reading is important. Don't get me wrong. Super, actually 10%. I'm sorry. It's 10%. Super important. You should do it. But that's, that's to me what you got to do. And then the other thing is you've got to teach your clients and you've got to take on yourself the four qualities of success the four qualities of success go like this number one is you must be decisive you must kill off all other options you know napoleon hill uh, before he wrote think and grow rich was a newspaper reporter and he was asked to interview the richest man in the world by his editor andrew carnegie who set it up for him and he spent three hours. Back in those days, people had a lot more time <laughs> to do stuff like this, I guess. And at the end of that three hours, Andrew Carnegie said, Mr. Hall, how'd you like to spend the weekend at my estate? What would you say if the richest man would say, how'd you like to spend the weekend at my estate? The answer when is yes, leave? right? When do we leave? Yeah. <laughs> I'm there now. Like, I'm there. <laughs> so for three days, they talked and Hill said it was incredible. And by the end of it, they, they really were getting along. And um, Andrew Carnegie said, Mr. Hall, I have a proposition for you. How would you like to spend the next 20 years researching my philosophy of success? I will not pay you a stipend, but I will give you letters of introduction to the 500 most successful men and women in the United States. And um, in 31 seconds, Andrew Carnegie, I mean, uh, Napoleon Hill said yes. The rest is history. He went, he did it, he became famous. And 20 years later, just before the great man died, he visited with him again. And uh, Andrew Carnegie said to him, um, I want you to know something. I had a stopwatch under the table and I was giving you one minute to make up your mind. And he went, whoa. And then he said, but why only a minute? And he said, you've been studying my philosophy of success. Why would I have only given you a minute? Napoleon Hill thought about it for a minute and he knew the answer. He said, he said, because successful people are decisive people. They mm. kill off options quickly. They quickly get all the facts and make a decision. Unsuccessful people go, let me think about it. I need to talk to the wife. I think I'm going to have a seance with my dead ancestors tonight before <laughs> I give you an answer. Um, I need to sleep on it. I never make decisions quickly. Oh, that's why you're a loser, right? <laughs> I mean, Napoleon Hill said that Andrew Carnegie and these successful people taught him to make decisions quickly. Now get the facts. If you don't have the facts, take all the time you need to get all the facts. So if you need more facts, but then you you act. And the decision to do this for him was life-changing. No money for 20 years. You think about that. You're a young man getting your start in life. That's a big decision. Yeah. But I'll tell you something. If Elon Musk gave me letters of introduction to the 500 most successful people in the United States and gave me a year to interview them all, and he said, I'm not gonna pay you a penny, Trust me, it would happen. It would happen. It would happen. And I would be, I'd be saying, please, and thank you. And God bless you for doing that. Right. Like it's, it's, it's that simple. And decisiveness is a key success quality. You've got to be decisive. Are you planning on getting to a million dollars a year? Let's say you told me like in that hypothetical example, I want to get, I want to make a million dollars in the next year. I'm like, all right. Are you, is that decision like is it are you killing off the opportunity the alternatives or are you going well it'd be nice to get to a million but you know if i don't blah, blah, blah. no decisive then committed i will do what it takes i will do whatever it takes 
I will not stop. I will keep going. Not I'll do it for three months. Then if it doesn't work, I'll stop, which is how most people do everything. Right. Commit, commit, commit. You want that million a year, Adam? Commit. Decide you want it and commit to whatever you got to do and be ready to screw up because you will screw up. And I'll tell you a couple of <laughs> stories about that in a minute. And then obviously be coachable. You got to take the coaching of, uh, of the mentors you're working with. And then you got to be resourceful. And this is Tony Robbins' story. Then he was 17 years old. He wanted to work with Jim Rohn and it required a $1,200 or $1,300 investment. And he didn't have it. He was 17. He put on an ill-fitting suit and knocked on the doors of 200 business people in his area and asked him, will you invest in me? 17-year-old boy, will you invest in me? The first 198 said, get out of here, kid. So the last couple invested in him. And he says, it, it doesn't matter what kind of resources you have. It matters how resourceful you are. Listen, when Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos started their respective companies, they borrowed money from friends. Like a bunch of people invested $50,000 each. I think it was five or six in uh, Amazon. Their stakes are now worth $750 million each. $750 million each. Because Jeff Bezos didn't have money, but he had the confidence, the swagger without yeah. the money to go ask for it. So you've got to be resourceful. You got to do what you got to do. You got to invest in yourself, in your business to get all that going. And, you know, um, I had one client of mine who was a personal fitness trainer. He came to work with us. And I knew none of this until a year later. Okay. But um, when he came to work with us, uh, he, he, he came to a, a workshop we did and he signed up for a year long program that we offer. And he was making three to five grand a month. Okay. And, you know, mm -hmm. we were charging, I don't know, at the time, 35 grand for the year long program five grand for the workshop. So he put 40,000 in us. He was making three to 5,000 a month. And he put a $40,000 investment in a very short period of time to work with us. And you think about that. That's a big chunk of money for someone making that little money. Okay. Right. Um, he very quickly uh, took the coaching, started to ask people good questions. He narrowed his niche because he was, you know, I'll work with anybody. Anyway, give me, give me my, apple. no, no, stop doing that. Narrow your niche. Narrow your niche. And, new fathers with dad bods and that just took off for him he went from three grand to 42 grand a month bought his own gym with some partners and now has trainers working for him he's a business owner from being a little punk he wrote me a lovely little note in which he said you know i joined these guys i had no money i had to borrow money from my girlfriend to pay the rent and I got a line of credit and I invested in their program. And I had a six figure turnaround in less than a year. Mm. And, you know, he thanked us and all that mm. was great. It was great testimonial, but he invested in himself. I didn't know this. I didn't know that he had to get a line of credit to pay us. He didn't bring it up. It wasn't our problem. And he knew that it was his problem. What he wanted was the result. And he did what he had to do. You know what I'm saying? Wow. And people yeah. that cut off the avenue of defeat, like, you know, decisive people, like, you know, the Greeks, when they invaded Troy, right? They burned their ships. Those yeah. are the people who win. Love it. It's cut off the avenue of defeat. That's like a flip on what you, you normally hear, like cut off all other options. Like you're flipping it to this other, this mode of, because we, we do, like we give ourselves the out all the time. You hear it from everyone. It's it's one of the most destructive things I think in our culture in general. It's like, oh, I'm gonna lose the weight, or I might lose this much. Well, you're already you already gave yourself the alternative. So what are you more likely to achieve? It's the alternative reality that you gave yourself, like from the outset, right? Hundred percent, man. And listen, you were in the military. Was there ever an option not to accomplish the mission? Well, no. we'll try to accomplish the mission, but you know what? If it doesn't work out, no, no big deal, guys. No, we might, we might accomplish do it, the mission. Yeah, when when you're on the X, there's no other way back. Like you, you gotta, you're pushing through. Doesn't matter what's That's on it. the other side of that door. Sometimes it wasn't always fun, but that that was the. That was it's the, not always fun. Yes. It's not always fun when you're up at 10 o'clock at night, like you were last night and you got up and read a book from cover to cover. I can't believe you did that. God bless your heart for doing that. You know, I'm, I'm honored that you did that, but that's not necessarily fun. You know what I mean? Um, 
you oh, know, no, that was you, that was fun, Nikki. That was it, was it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> right, well, good for you. God, you, but you know what I'm saying. Or you got to build your sales funnel, your your webinar funnel, and you hate doing that. That's not necessarily fun, but you got to do it. Suck yeah. it up, Buttercup. Suck it up, Buttercup, and get it done. You know, one of the things Alex says, which I really, really love and agree with, is we allow too much pressure and noise to mm -hmm. get in the way of what we need to do. As an entrepreneur, your number one job is to limit and reduce the pressure and noise in your life. Right. Right. And how do you do that? Cut off the options. When yes. you give yourself too many options, that's when the pressure and noise comes in. When you don't give yourself any options, there's no pressure and noise. There's just a mission you go forward. And that brings us right into something I've, I knew about as a concept, but until I became an entrepreneur, I didn't really understand how heavy it was. And that's the resistance. And resistance. Ah, yes, the war of art, Stephen Pressfield. <laughs> dude, I, I had this book on my shelf for several years because it was a gift. And I had looked through it. I started, it's now, I read it every day. I read a couple chat parts. Personally oh, signed by Stephen's brother. I, I met it. him. He's my boy. <laughs> this book is tremendous. And it's, I, it's, I, I'll, I'll turn to it three or four times a day when I feel the resistance come on. What is the resistance to you and how, when we do cut off all of our other avenues, we're still going to meet that resistance. Like how do you conquer it? How do you move through that? That resistance is a bastard. That son of a bitch tries to knock me on my ass 20 times a day. Sometimes yeah. it succeeds all too well. You know what I'm saying? You're not, yeah. I'm not always successful in beating its ass. Um, but you know, there are mornings that I wake up and I'm like, I don't want to work out now. I'll work out later. I'll get a later start to the day. It's fine. And I do that, right? And I do that. Truth be told, this morning I was going to work out at 6:30. I didn't end up working out till quarter to eight. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, I just slept in a little more, but that's fucking resistance. Yesterday, how I beat resistance is I had to meet my buddy at the gym. <laughs> Today I was by myself. So I was there at, you know, at six o'clock because we said we were going to work out at six, and that's what we did, right? Um, but I'll tell you, and I'll tell you a story about how this can be done. When you're by yourself and in your head and the chattering monkeys are going and resistance is like wearing its ugly head, you can get weak. You can be tempted to give in to that son of a bitch. But when you are doing something bigger than yourself, there, there's this chart, it goes like an inverted funnel like this. At the bottom, it's like a suck hole at the bottom. There's a suck hole, you go down, and the first level up is self. The second level up is like relationship or, or you know, partnership. The third level up is like family or team, right? The fourth level up is like community. The fifth level up is like society, and the final level is mankind, okay? It's, suckle, it's created by Justin Sterling of the Sterling uh, Men's Weekend. By the way, if you've never done the Sterling Men's Weekend, uh, Adam, do it. And if you're really good friends with Alex, persuade him to do it. It would be very good for him. Uh, I'm being very serious. It's a fantastic program because it makes you look at yourself as a man, right? Um, and um, he teaches this technology in there. And resistance will beat you when you're in the suck hole or you're itself. You understand what I'm saying? When yeah. you're in the suck hole or you're itself, resistance will kick your ass but when you're helping your spouse or your family and you're a service of self but when you're helping uh, the community or the um the, or society or all mankind with what you do you cannot now i'm going to ask you a question okay um mm -hmm. three of my biggest heroes are ronald reagan margaret thatcher and um martin luther king okay yeah so um, you strike me as a learned man. You probably know who each of these people were and what they did in the world and in society. Of course. They operated at the level of mankind. Like Martin Luther King was going to get rid of the stain of bigotry and going to bring freedom to, to Blacks and African-Americans and all other minorities. That was Martin Luther King's deal. Ronald Reagan was going to end the tyranny of evil communism and bring freedom to the people that were stuck under the communist yoke and Margaret Thatcher, the same. You think these people had time for resistance? <laughs> I mean, really? 
That's because they operated and played a bigger game. Okay. Mm. Now you don't necessarily need to play at that level. I mean, you can, if you want to, right. But this is what you need to do. Now I'll tell you a story from my life. A few years ago, four and a half years ago, a woman came into our uh, community, a thought leader community. She was the country director for one of the biggest and oldest personal development companies in the world. They've been around since the 60s, okay? And she ran Canada. And her mom and dad had run Canada before her. And they help people deal with childhood emotional imprinting from zero to 13. I took the program. It was a wonderful program, okay? Now, she brought in a man who had done her program, who was, you know, had a bit of a mixed reputation, successful businessman, but also eh, not necessarily the most trustworthy. And this dude um, came in and she thought it was going to be great. And well, anyways, it wasn't. And she ended up leaving, right? Hmm. She ended up leaving. And for 18 months, she was kind of like floundering, floundering. Someone introduced her to us and we started to work with her. And what she came uh, to say uh, to me uh, was, look, you know, I, I, I got to try to figure out what's next. And I was going through a rough time back then. My then partner told me he didn't want to be partners with me anymore. And I went into the resistance. What was me? Oh, my God. What am I going to do? How am I going to do it? I was angry at him. I was angry at myself. I was angry at the world. I was angry at God. Sorry, God. <laughs> <You Yes. know? laughs> I mean, um, and but this woman came to me and, you know, she, she needed my help. And there was a bunch of others like her. And I started focusing on her and them. In her first month, she made $10,000 coaching because she started to work with entrepreneurs who, um, who just were like overwhelmed and like, I got big problems in all kinds of areas and I got nobody I can talk to. So she was, I'm going to be your confidant. You're going to have a place to unburden yourself. So you don't have to do it to your wife. You don't have to do it to your employees and destroy, you know, their faith. You can, it's private, all that. They loved it. It was, it, it took, you know what I mean? Like, by the yeah. way, you get confident, you know, people listening or yourself, like you can find some big enough business owners. They could pay you a quarter million a year to be their confidant, man. <laughs> like Tony Robbins gets 4 million a year to be confidant to about a dozen people, <laughs> you know? So wow. there you go. Um, uh, from each, by the way, 4 million each from a dozen people. And there's a waiting list five years long to get on that. Oh, to, to be his clients. Yeah, I know it's, so um, she made 10 grand her first month, 12 grand her second month, 18 grand her third month, $62,200 her fourth month. Now that figure is very precise and specific. And you're thinking, Nikki, the others were like 10, 12, 18, that's 62, two. I'll get to it. <laughs> All right. Um, she was um, the work of Matt Church, who you know I told you we worked with and helped us develop some of that stuff, has this methodology using martial arts belt levels. So White belt uh, in his world is 10,000 a month in income. Yellow is 20 and black belt, 60,000 first stand black belt. And it goes above that too. So she hit black belt. She was the first woman to hit black belt in our world. Um, she was the fastest person at the time, although someone's done it faster since, I don't know, but you know, she did it in like four months and um, we were so excited for her. Now she lives in Ottawa and I live in Toronto. That's about a five hour drive. My, Eldest son, who was 12 at the time, is 16 now. He plays soccer, and he is a very good high-level soccer player. Um, one of his teammates on his current team just made the national team for Guyana, and it was a top scorer there. And, you know, my son has the capacity to be on the Canadian national team as a center back for his age group and beyond. Like, he's that good, right? Like he's, nice. So he had a tournament in Ottawa at the time. He was 12. So, you know, we didn't know how good he was. He was just he was playing soccer, right? So um, we went to Ottawa and I called her and I knew she had a son. My son's like, I said, hey, um, my son and I are coming to Ottawa for a tournament. Um, would your son uh, and you like to come meet us for lunch? And, you know, she said, yeah, sure. That sounds great. So we met for lunch at the end of the tournament. I had a good time, you know, and then we drove home. It was about an hour, hour and a half we spent together and, yeah. A few weeks later, we had one of our um, branded thought leader immersion workshops. This is where we show people, you know, how to go from whatever figure they're at to half a million, million, two million, three million a year. And, um, she'd been in the program, obviously. And so 
there were a bunch of new people in the room and we had our, you know, enrollment opportunity, right? Where we asked people the upsell, the, the infamous upsell that people have, right? So um, I do mine a little differently than most people. Uh, I take 15 minutes and most of the time, most of the 15 minutes is I ask people in our community to speak, or if they're not there, I'll have like a video of them telling their experience, right? Um, anyways, long story short is that uh, I got up, there were eight you know, prospects in the room, and I said, Does anyone want to share their experience? Now, they'd experienced this for three days themselves, these prospects, and they'd gotten a ton of value, but we were upselling them into a year-long program, you know, like 50 grand a year type of thing <laughs> at the time, and yeah. Um, I said, anyone want to share? And she just bounded on stage. Yeah, I want to share. I'm like, oh, okay, great. You know, I'm like, great success story. This is awesome. And she got on stage and she had a big smile on her face and then smiled disappeared. She started crying. And that was like, like any red blooded man, I'm sure Adam, you're going to relate to this, <laughs> when faced with a crying female. I proceeded to panic within. Yes. <laughs> Why is she crying? What did I do? Now on the exterior, I'm placid and calm, but inside I'm like, oh my God, what happened? Why is she crying? Ah. And she looks at me and she goes, Nikki, you didn't know this in between songs and tears, but when you and your little son came to visit me and my little son, um, my little son asked me, mommy, mommy, who are we going to go meet? And I looked at her and I said, oh, sweetheart, we're going to go meet Nikki Blue and his son. And he looked at her and he said, oh, are we going to meet the man who saved our family? Now, Adam, Dude. I think you've probably got the picture that I'm not your average soy boy beta male, right? Yes. I don't cry in public. I'm a tough man. Tough as fucking nails. I bawled like a little baby, like a little girl. I hugged her. And we had a long hug. And then she said, between more sobs and tears that both of us were doing then, <laughs> you didn't know this, Nikki, but when I came to you, um, the bank was about to foreclose on our home. We had not paid our mortgage in months. My husband and I were fighting. We have three kids together, which I knew. And it looked like we might get divorced. This literally saved our family. You literally saved our family. So um, I, uh, I was very humbled by that. Yeah. Still am. Because I know that God puts good people in front of me. And that from my dad and from Mark, I'm all about, you know, caring about people. I love people. And I'm, I just ask God that I'd be worthy to serve the next person who's dealing with some stuff the way this lady was every single day. And on an interesting note, um, normally we hand out the registration forms to people in the room. And normally, you know, some people sign up right away, but there's a number of people that, you know, you need to have a nice long conversation and persuasion moment with. Um, right. We did not need to persuade anybody that day. Eight people signed up on the spot immediately. And there were two guys who, before all this, had come to me and said, Nikki, Nikki. Uh, I know I signed up for your program and all. And I know you've got an upsell coming up. I just want you to know I'm not going to be signing up for your upsell. Just want, just want to make sure you're not going to be disappointed. Just want you to know. Both of them, one more vehemently than the other, but they both kind of gave me the same message. They're like, guys, no problem. All good. Right? Whatever you want. Um, that son of a bitch was the first dude to sign up. And he walked over to me as he signed up and he said, you son of a bitch. <laughs> to me, <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> and I'm like, what son of a bitch? <laughs> he said, I told you I was going to sign up, but you got me to sign up. <laughs> and he said, I guess you're not full of crap like the rest of these guys. Right? Because, you know, I don't want to name names, but he'd done some programs with some very well-known people in the space. Right. And, right. Um, he said, I guess I, I still need some help. So I, here you go. And um, what happened uh, was this. This is, this is what I got is people have been so um, 
taken in by these charlatan marketers. And when I learned about Matt Church and his work in Australia, you know, I, I don't know how much you know about Matt and Thought Leaders Global, probably not a ton. So I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about him. No. He's been doing this work for over, almost 25 years. He's had 16, 17, 1800 people that have done his flagship Thought Leaders Business School program, which is I think a 30 or $35,000 a year or $40,000 a year in Australia, right? Many of our methods are based on, on mats. Now we have our own take on them and we have our own stuff that we put in there, but Matt has, you know, there's a reason why we took it. Now, at the time when he had 1500 people, I knew the numbers. So I don't know the numbers since, but I'm assuming they're the same, but of these 1500 people, half, half had generated a half a million to two and a half million dollar a year practice. Half. Half. Now, no offense to a single North American guru, bullshit that even 10% of their people have generated that kind of money. Bullshit. Okay. Bullshit. Yeah. And then of the remaining half, 65% had generated at least a quarter mil to a half a mil. So like 83% of the people who invested 35, 40,000, whatever it is in his program a, a year generated a 250,000 to two and a half million dollar a year practice, 83%. That's not bullshit. That's all steak, brother. That's steak. You're buying into steak with that thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's no, yeah. you know, and listen, like, I've done the programs. I've, I've done Tony Robbins, Brendan Bouchard. I've, I've done all of them. And I've gotten good stuff from everybody. Don't get me wrong. But are you freaking kidding me? The reason is that these Australians, like, you know, the, this kind of like marketing sizzle stuff ain't their thing. Right? That's one, number one. And I learned that. And number two is this methodology works. The reason why I do what I do and I stand out, you, you know, is because people talk to me and they go, maybe you're a little over the top and your energy's a little intense and not everybody likes that. And I'm going to be straight. So some people who go, screw you, I don't want to be around you. But there's nobody who will tell you Nikki Billu is, is full of shit. Not one person. They'll all tell you, no, the dude knows what he's talking about. And, you know, if you're ready to work with them and do the work, you're going to get the results. And to me, that's like, I, I ask God to have you worthy of that every day. So um, please, God, help me not let these people down. Like every day, I tell myself, don't let me let these people down. Yeah. And that's what I go. I'm going to give them my all, but just give me the courage, the strength to be there with these people, man. And, I, and I, if your people are listening here, that's what you want to be for your people. And that's who you want to follow. You don't want to follow some dude or dudette who's really good at selling the sizzle and ain't going to get your results. You don't want to follow somebody who's preaching launches to you when launches haven't worked for half a decade or more. You know what I mean? Giving you outdated crap. You don't want somebody who's just all about the celebrity. And I got to tell you, there are so many celebrity freaking masterminds out there with big name guys and whatnot. And I asked the guys, I go, what'd you get out of it? So there's a guy, there's a guy I know who sells a hundred thousand dollar a year mastermind. Mm -hmm. And he's got, Two dozen clients in there. And I know some of these people personally that are in there. And I go, okay, you, you spent all this money on the program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What'd you get? Like, did you make more money? Well, uh, no. Oh, you spent $100,000 and you didn't make more money. Well, you know, well, like I learned a lot and I'm, you know, I'm this and I get to be with all these people. And like, the truth of the matter is, man, there's so many people that invest for the wrong freaking reasons. They get emotionally tied in. Yep. So yes, you want to obviously listen to your heart and your emotions, but you're a businessman or you're a businesswoman, use your goddamn head. Hmm. If you're investing money, you're investing. What is the definition of investment? To lay out money with an expectation of a return, return. of a return. If there is no return, or if most people are not getting a return, don't invest. Don't invest. Because then it's not investing, it's spending. What is the definition of spending? To lay out money with no expectation of return. You spend money on vacations, on Harleys, on knives. I'm a knife collector, by the way. I, I didn't tell you that, eh? Yeah. Um, some, look at this. Look at this puppy. Is this not gorgeous? Oh, that's amazing. I love isn't that. that. Is that wild? Is that wild? So anyways, cool. I, I, I got, I'm a knife guy. So um, that's spending. 
Now, you know, there's guys who go, actually, Nikki, you know, the price of the knives appreciates. So that's really an investment. But, you know, that's a cool. It's really spending. I spent, I, I, didn't, I didn't buy that to sell it off someday. Maybe my kids will when I'm gone. I don't want dad's knives. Let's, let's go see what we can get for those. Right? Don't make sense yes. on it. But, but, but you know, um, that's the drill, brother. That's the drill. And if someone's listening to this and they're like stuck in their business, they're stuck in their life, they're, they're, they're like wanting, can I trust somebody? And I'm just going to say, look, you need to talk to somebody. You can, you can talk to Adam. You can talk to me. You can talk to somebody. And you got to like listen to your heart, tune into your heart and not to their sizzle and go do your due diligence. Are these people real? Have they helped other people? Do they know what they're talking about? And do they give a shit? Do they give enough of a good gosh darn to make a difference for me? Will they hang in there? So if they do that, mm. then then you should invest and don't not invest in yourself. That's all I have to say. Yeah. It's a, it's something I preach all the time is it's, it is about leadership. It's about solving problems and, and giving a shit. And when you give a shit and I, I wake up every day and it's in my, my to-do list for today is to fix something for someone. I, I try to do it all the time because it, it gives you that purpose. And now that I'm thinking about it in terms of the resistance, you know, it's, it's a higher calling that higher place that we're trying to achieve. So we're out of self because Let's face it, we humans are miserable human beings most of the time uh, when left to our own devices. It's when we're surrounded by great people that we're, we're able to be that better person we're all after. Like, dude, I can talk with you all day, Nikki. This has been f- fantastic. I do want to respect your time. I do. I want to end with one thing. And this question always gets me in trouble because my Amazon account goes a little crazy. But you said that leaders are readers. So what books would you recommend that we haven't talked about so far in this episode that if you don't have it, you haven't read these books yet, what books would you recommend for leaders? Well, what a great question. So look, it's going to sound a little self-serving, but my, my very first book is called finish line thinking, how thinking win like a champion. And um, Mm -hmm. like I said, I used to work with a lot of Olympic gold medal athletes, my better half. um, You're going to go, Holy crap. When I tell you this, but, um, at the age of uh, 48, she decided she wanted to break a, an athletic world record, okay? Um, and she ran three times 12 hours on a treadmill and set three world records. So um, who does that at 48, man? <laughs> you know, maybe 18, 28, yes. 48, like it's crazy. So um, that book really shows you how to have the mindset a winner, an iron mind, uh, honestly. So that's a great book. Um, the Fountainhead, Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand are books everyone should read. Um, the War of Art, which we talked about earlier, is a book everyone should read. Um, I also believe men and women should read fiction. Um, fiction is very important. It soothes the soul. You should read poetry too, because poetry soothes the soul. And read paper books. Stop reading everything on your damn Kindle or listening to it. That's not really reading. Okay. Yeah. There's something soothing about reading a paper book. Um, so, you know, some of the fictional books that are, are really excellent is there's an old thriller called the Eagle is landed by Jack Higgins. It mm. is one of the best fiction books ever written. It is brilliant. It is uplifting. And, um, the bad guys in the book are, are the good guys. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it, it's, it, it, it's, um, it's one of those things, you know, a very, very, very powerful, powerful book. Um, other fictional books that I'm a huge fan of, Steve Pressfield wrote The Legend of Bagger Vance. If you haven't read that book, that's a really, really great book. Um, so, you know, those are some of the books. David Goggins's Can't Hurt Me is a spectacular book. Um, you know, what can I tell you? These are some good books. Awesome. I've read 4,000 books, man. I'm into books. <laughs> yes. And I appreciate what you said about moving, like get off the Kindle, get off the screens. We're on them all day long. Uh, reading should be different. We should be, and it, sure. I think it, access, it, it accesses a different part of our brain when we're holding it. 
it's just like writing down versus typing everything. It's, yep. it's a different relationship. And if we can enable ourselves that, why would we take that away from ourselves? Amen, That's awesome. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Nikki. Like I said, I could talk all day with you and I might end up having to talk to you a whole lot more in the future. We'll see where, where life takes us, but um, I really look forward to the next time our paths cross. And if our listeners are interested in learning more about you, do you have any uh, particular recommendations on where they should go? Well, look, you know, I'm in all the social media stuff, uh, you know, uh, Facebook, Instagram. I, got a, I, I do some stuff on YouTube, not a ton. I'm on Rumble like a competitor to YouTube. So I'm on Getter and Parlor as well and Gab. Uh, you can find me in any of those, but like my website, ecircleacademy.com. And like I said, if someone wants to have a conversation about where they're at, if they're stuck and they want to they, they, they wanna have a real honest conversation, a tough conversation about what it's going to take to get them off of that, there's a button there to book a, what we call a success call. It's there. Be my honor to help you. We're here to help. Awesome. Thanks so much, Nikki. The absolute pleasure. And yeah, look, look forward to speaking to you again many more times in the future. Me too, brother. Right. Thank you. It was, it was an honor to be here. God bless you. And thanks again for your service. Thank you, Nikki. We'll talk soon. Hey, before you bounce out of here, I have a free strategy session available exclusively for my podcast audience. In this 30-minute phone call, we'll unveil the immediate steps you can take to operationalize your business and put you back in the driver's seat. Just go to www.adamliette.com and click start here.